This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Good evening, and Hello to everyone. Thank you for coming tonight, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, and I'm hoping that you guys will be able to kind of sort of get something out of it, just like I'm going to try to do. And tonight, my uh, second half (laughs) is in the Dominican, somewhere in a place that he's going to have fun with. So, uh, with my um, guest and my host, tonight will be Miss Lucy. She's going to... Be with me and help me. So, Miss Lucy, you want to yes, say hello? And hello to all of our customers and a wonderful guest. Okay. Okay. Tonight we're talking about helping the black community survive America. Now, that, to me, is kind of deep. Okay. And somebody's got a whole lot of work to do that. So once I say uh, right now, I'm just going to say, Mr. Evans, would you like to say something? Tell people, yeah, um, thank you for having me. I'm Michael Evans. I'm excited to be here, excited to be on your show and to talk about uh, how to survive America while black. Okay. Well, I'm kind of excited about that as well. Um, I was just reading, and it said Temple Road Holding is a black-owned and controlled holding company created by you whose vision is to become the black version of Black Rock by coordinating the investment of the black dollar back into the black community. (laughs) I like that. This will be accomplished through the creation of an ecosystem of businesses that support the black community to become self Professions, self reliant, and self determinant. So, what do you think about that? 
So I think it's um, I think it's great. I mean, I'm I'm the one who um, founded the company. Um, I'm the one who founded these concepts. Um, I've been um, a black activist since 1987 when I formed the Black Student Union at my uh, mostly white high school. Um, okay. I was a black student union um, president when I was in college at Loyola Marymount University in the early 90s um, during the um, 92 uh, L.A. riots. Um, so, I mean, this is what I've done for the majority of my um, life is um, as a, a black activist supporting the black community. And, you know, now that I'm a little older, a little wiser, a lot more business experience, I've taken the skills that I've developed over the last three decades in business and, and managing, you know, over a hundred million dollar operating budget for the government, and now I'm applying oh, wow. that to um, to help um, black businesses um, and to help recycle the black dollar. That's kind of good. Now, so you were young when you started this, right? So I was young when I started becoming uh, when I became a black activist. I was. 15, 16 years old. <laughs> so, so what happened? Yeah, I've been Tell me what happened. So what happened was uh, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh, yeah. And um, no oh, one had good. told me about Malcolm X. Um, and uh, from, from there, um, I learned about the Black Panther Party. I learned about the Black Power Movement of the um, 60s, and this was, again, we're talking about the late 80s, so this is when um, hip-hop or rap was really just starting to come on the scene, and you had groups like Public Enemy and X-Clan and KRS-One that were um, telling us about um, being um, pro-black and what it meant to um, support our black communities. Oh, okay. Were your parents kind of sort of uh, involved in that? So, no. Um, my, so my, 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 my father was retired Army. Uh, my mother was a, a homemaker. Um, my father was, well, he was involved in the community. He was a, a Baptist uh, minister that uh, then became a um a pastor of, of a black church. So I grew up in the black church. I grew up seeing community service. Um, my father was the example of what you would expect from a black pastor. He never took a penny from the church, never took a salary or anything like that. He was just selfless and, and given his time and given his energy. And so I saw that as, as, as the example of being of service. Um, but it wasn't from a pro-black perspective. Um, it wasn't, again, so I read the autobiography of Malcolm um, X that I even understood um, what happened during the 60s because, you know, with the civil rights movement, the only thing I was taught was, you know, Martin Luther King had a dream and we shall overcome. Yeah, okay. What did you say about Ma Michael? Yeah, I, I, I said I didn't know anything about Malcolm X. The only person I knew about was Martin Luther King. And okay. what I learned was that Martin Luther King had a dream and that we shall overcome. 
I didn't know about you know the Black Power movement. I didn't know about the Black Panthers um, and, and and Black nationalism. Okay, so you started it with that with the Black people, <laughs> which is a good thing. We really need um, direction, I would say, because a lot of us don't even love each other, and that's, that's true. kind of sad. That's really sad. But you started once you got out of college, is that it? Well, when I, while I was in college is really when I was um, very active. Um, so from a freshman, I was involved with the Black Student Union. Um, I, as a freshman, was the first time that I encountered um, Black Greek fraternities and sororities. I was super excited because I didn't even know that they existed. And so to 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 see them, I was extremely excited. Um, but then I became disappointed. Um, and the reason why I became disappointed is because, again, this is eighty nine ninety, and I'm seeing you know black men that are online uh, trying to get into fraternities. I saw the way that they were being treated, and um, and it, I found it demeaning the way that those that were online were um, being hazed because, you know, it was, it was a thing that was acceptable back then. And um, from my perspective, when I looked at the black frats, um, I looked at them uh, as, um, as an educated gang, right? They, they had their colors, they had their signs. Um, they, they were, you know, getting to fights with each other. Um, and you had to you had to basically be jumped in order to get in. <laughs> so, so I was I was disappointed um, because of, of of what I had read uh, and learned from Malcolm X about um, being a black nationalist and what I heard read about the Black Panther Party, and, and that this yeah. wasn't the, the coming together that I had that I had um, learned about. And so I so I started my own black service organization <laughs> called Real Real Beta. <laughs> what was <Right>? it? <laughs> what is it? It was it was it was called Row Row Beta. Okay. All right. And it was Excuse it me, was sir. a co ed service organization. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, sir. Um this is Miss Payne. Um let me ask you this. Have you studied the current um you have any current statistics on the black community? You want to, like, from what I gather, you want to capture the black dollar and make it um, more, say, close into the black community. What are your statistics as far as black people are concerned right now? And um, sure. as far as jobs, as far as having that kind of money that you're talking about. And um, just what are your statistics? How many uh have you looked at how many black people are supposedly here in the United States that you're trying to you're trying to bring over to um, be within the black community? And um, what are your statistics? Have you studied the statistics, current yes. statistics on this? Yeah. So, Can you so state some, what they are? Some general, yeah, some, some general um, statistics will say 
that there's, you know, around 50 million black people here in the United States, that as a group, we have about one and a half trillion dollars of purchasing power on an annual one basis. And one and a half trillion. Um, yeah, one and a half trillion. The number, you know, varies from, you know, a low of 1.2 to, you know, one 1.5, 1.6 trillion dollars uh, worth of spending, spending power each year. This is each year, okay. And of, and, yeah, on an annual basis. And of that amount, uh, only 2% of that is spent among black businesses, which means that 98% of the money we spend is with non-black companies, yeah. and those companies then take, take our black dollars, and, with, and what do they do? They take them out of the black community, and they go and move to other communities, right? Um, I understand. And, and so uh, a, pop, a, a popular um, statistics says that um, in the Asian community, uh, a dollar recycles for maybe uh, 30, 35 days. Um, in um, white communities, it might circulate for 20 days. And the black community is circulating for about six to eight hours before it leaves. And, and so we are the only culture in the United States that allows other cultures to come into our community, set up shop, take money from us, and allow that money to leave. No other, no other culture allows that. You can't go into um, Chinatown. And, and set up shop with a black business, and 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 the the Chinese are going to patronize you and allow you to take that money back to the black neighborhoods. No other community does that. No other culture allows that. We are the ultimate consumers when it um, comes to specifically here in the United States. It wasn't always like that. Prior prior to the 1970s. We, as a black community, we recycled our dollars. Part of that was because we didn't have a we didn't have a choice, right? We couldn't go and spend money <laughs> anywhere else. We weren't allowed to um, to integrate. And so, you know, there are, there are some who say that from an economic perspective, integration is 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 one of the things that helped destroy the black community. Yeah, I can see that. But I think, well... Urban renewal. You know, we have... Urban renewal is also one thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we're not used to being on top. You know what I'm saying? It's like we always think that the white man is over us. We don't even think that, you know, that we should be over him. I think that's why we kind of stay under him. Do you think that's from uh, slavery or something way back? Well, the, because that's the 
Well, well, one, the history that we are taught is meant to subjugate us and to keep us in a sub in a sub uh, in a role yes, of, being, uh, of thinking that we are that, that we are lesser than. So, so I mean, that's just, why just, just all you guys go and get uh, white women and marry them. So, so some black men <laughs> will go and marry a white woman because they have been um, conditioned and programmed to think <laughs> that white beauty is the epitome of beauty, right? Um, and but and, and that's all part of the of the um, of the media, and and so I mean we can go back to the um, the 1970s. Or if you go back prior to the 1970s, when you, you know, ending with the Black Power movement, where you had black communities and you had black professionals living in the black community, um, the recycling of the of the black dollar, um, and you had like the Black Panther Party that was, um, you know, quickly moving throughout the United States, setting up chapters to support the black community and. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the federal and, and the federal government under J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI established COINTELPRO, which was a plan to dismantle and destroy the black community because J. Edgar Hoover said the number one fear internally to the United States is black unity. Black unity was the number one fear. They feared the rising of a black messiah. Right when you look at all of the black leaders, they had been murdered, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Um, and so, and so there was a concerted, blatant effort. COINTELPRO clearly spells that out that the federal government was was openly against the black community. And so, when the COINTELPRO papers came out, it went from an overt war to a covert war. And so, starting in 71, um, you had the war against drugs, the war against crime. Those are just code words for the war against black people, right? And, and, and how do you um, dismantle and disrupt the black community? You disrupt the basic unit of the community, which is the black family. And so, starting in the 70s, Starting in the 70s, you see black men going to jail disproportionate to, to everybody else. You see black women now having to go on to welfare, and one of the requirements of being on yeah. welfare and getting Section 8 housing is that you can't have a man living in the house. Right, right. Right? That's horrible. And, I mean, and, I, I, I just didn't like it then. And 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 And... and and when we and, and, and we started focusing on the wrong things, right? So I'm I'm a fan of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? No one wants black people killed by the police. But let's keep We're gonna get, things say that in again. Say that again. I said no one <laughs> wants black people killed by the police, right? That's the Black Lives Matter organization that's their main thing but let's keep some things in perspective if a, if the police 
killed one black person every single day. That'd be 365 people killed by the um, black people killed by the police. When we look at how many black people are are killed via homicide, it's about 6,000 people per year. Okay. When we look at um, the number one killer of black people is heart disease. Right. You're talking about. I forget the numbers, but, you know, tens of thousands of black people that are killed by heart disease. When you look at all the way that yeah, black sure. people die, it's, a, it's about a quarter of a million per year. But you know what's even worse than all of the ways that black people die is the number of black babies that are aborted every year is more than yeah. 300,000. So let's put things in perspective. When you have abortions that outnumber the total way that all black people die, that's called population control. So you asked me at the at the at the uh, at the beginning how many black people are here in the United States, and I said probably about fifty million. If it wasn't for abortions, we'd probably be at around eighty million people here, black people here in, in the United States. Now. I am um, pro-choice. I, I believe a woman should be able to do with her body what she wants to do. But if, but if the black community supported the black woman when she gets into a situation of becoming pregnant, if, they, if we adopted our own black babies and, and, and it truly takes a village to, um, to raise a child, then there wouldn't be a need for abortions. If, if we weren't having, you know, premarital sex and, 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 and promoting that type of, 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 uh, of lifestyle, we wouldn't have to even consider abortions. So that's our fault as the black community of not providing that social safety net that we used to provide prior to the 70s. Yeah, well, you know, it's... it's I I have a problem with the children being uh, adopted by, well, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. No. No. Uh, I'm just thinking about will we ever... Will we ever think that we are people? You know what I'm saying? We don't, we think we're under the white person. And I don't think that we should feel that way. But we've been, you know, we've been um, treated that way for years. Uh, and well, 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 we've been programmed that way. Yeah, That's right, part, right. I so, 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 so when you look, when you look at 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 the institutions of the United States, all institutions have racism built into them: our education system, our healthcare system, political system, our criminal justice system, our housing system. 
all of them have been set up to support white men. Okay, all of them have. And 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 so um, when you look at our education system, when we look at the history that we are taught here in the United States, we believe that Black history started when um, we were brought here on slave ships. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, when we don't know where we come from, we don't know what we're capable of. Okay. We we don't know that um, that Africans are the mother and father of civilization, of human civilization. Period. Right. I don't think yeah. you look at it from a. From a DNA perspective, if you look at it from a cultural perspective, if you look at it as you know the greatest man-made monument standing today is in Africa, Egypt, built by black folks, not the people that currently occupy Egypt, but by Africans. Okay, by the by true Africans, dark-skinned black folks, right? So we don't, we don't, we're not even taught that the richest man in the world that has ever existed was Mansa Musa, an African king of the Mali Empire. <laughs> These, so, 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 so when we don't know the greatness that we come from, we don't think that we can achieve things because our history teaches us here in the United States, nah. Y'all started off as slaves. We actually rescued you guys from being barbarians over there in Africa. That's what we're taught. Right? And that now, you're supposed to stay that way. Exactly. You know, now, when we look at other cultures, and I'm not trying to pick on any other culture, but let's talk about the Jewish culture. You know what Jewish history is? They are God's chosen people. And they got they a, lot they got. <laughs> okay? a lot of money. They're God's chosen people. Okay? A lot of money. And so, no, but when your history starts off with the statement, we are God's chosen people, it doesn't, that right there sets the foundation for what you believe you're capable of. That's true. Right? And, 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 when, and, when, and when the Bible teaches that um, black people are cursed, Right, the the, the the descendants of Sham are cursed people. Man, what 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 effect do you think that has on a young black child that in Sunday school learning about stories in the Bible? Right, I'm, I'm so the very first. Yeah. Go ahead. No, so one of the things that we must do is we must rewrite history as the way it actually happens, the facts. And and so uh, I'm actually part of a nonprofit called the Black History DAO, which is a um, blockchain-based um, nonprofit whose um, purpose is the digital preservation of black history. 
via the blockchain. Um, and so we're making a big push this year, and that we're going to put two history on the blockchain where it will be there forever in a digital format, and you won't be able to change it. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Do you, under, mm-hmm. you see the changes that they're trying to do as far as uh, the library, as far as certain books that we can read and things of mm-hmm. that nature? Okay, you're, you're talking about things that have happened, and I can understand that. But what is your plan to overcome this and to bring the black dollar into the community where a black person investing in the community can feel like they're part of the community, they are respected, and, and they're safe in that investment? What are your plans, knowing all of what you know now, from our history mm-hmm. to all of this all around us? What is your plan? And because for now, what I've been hearing, as far as the black people here, for one thing, they're trying to do away with the word black or race or whatever. But uh, our uh, future don't look bright at all. In fact, they were saying like the gross national product in about 30 years for black people would be zero. Because a lot of the jobs that we usually have, we usually take, you know, they take this, um, our intelligence and things like that are taken over. So what we, um, so what do you suggest? What is your plan for bringing us together? We've done it in the past, like sure. you said. We had Oklahoma. We had Oklahoma. We had our own, like uh, Dr. Omer pointed out, um, uh, Omer Johnson. He was saying we, we need our own bank. We need our own hospital. We need our own schools. We need to, like you say, control our neighborhood. But then it's hard to, a lot of times to trust the people in your own neighborhood. We have a lot of sex trafficking that's going on in our neighborhood. There's black people, southern black people still. We have our drugging our children, making them enslaved by the drugs and things of that nature. We have people going missing, and every time you look up, this woman's missing. This child is missing. Something is happening. Yeah. It's a lot of murder, mm-hmm. a lot of killing. What is your plan for bringing this out in to, to, view of all this? What is your plan of bringing it together where we can do something with this, uh, what you're saying, what you want to do? We can harness our own. We've done it in the past, but every time they would blow it up or find some way to tear it up or urban renewal and a, a lot of other things, you know, to make it bad for us. What is your plan, knowing what you know now, to bring it together? And knowing how so, we feel about each other. Um, Especially when you yeah. get a good dollar. <laughs> so our, my, the, the, the holding company that I have, uh, well, one, when we look at the definition of Black nationalism, as defined by Malcolm X in his speech, The Ballad uh, or the Bullet, he talks about three pillars of black nationalism, an economic pillar, a political pillar, and a social pillar, okay? So that, 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 that economic pillar has to do with the the um, the purchasing power that we have, uh, supporting black businesses, uh, and becoming um, self-sufficient and self-reliant. Okay, that political pillar has to do with self-determination, right? Understanding the, the the political process, the political game, and 
that um, the way you influence the political system is through votes and money, votes and money. So that means to have an effective political pillar, you have to have a strong economic pillar. And then that last pillar is the social pillar. How do we interact with each other? How do we support each other? What institutions and systems do we have internally to support us? Education, health, um, spiritual, the whole nine yards. And, And so what my holding company does is it invests in or owns operating companies that are in three vertical industries. Our first industry is real estate. Real estate. Because for any economic system, land is essential. We all got to live somewhere. And if you're producing any type of product, you got to have land for your factories, for your manufacturing, for your warehousing, right? So real estate and the control of real estate is extremely important as the basis of any economic system. The second is um, blockchain software development. We are at at a top blockchain software development. So blockchain is to this generation going forward what the internet was in the late 90s, okay? When the, when we found out about the internet, we found out, you know, after being on AOL that there was a place outside of AOL that had websites and those type of things, and it was called the internet, right? And we were like, ooh, what's the internet? How do we use it? And there wasn't a complete understanding yet of the impact that the internet would have and the fact that it would change the life of every person on this planet. That's the impact that the internet has. Blockchain, mm-hmm. blockchain is going to have that same level of impact. So therefore, we as black folks must jump on the opportunity to be leaders in that industry of blockchain software development because that's the digital systems and the technology that is going to fuel everything going forward. And because we are still at the, at the, uh, at the beginning, we have an opportunity to be leaders in that technology and to build systems, technology systems that will help support our economic system our political system, and our social system. It's the technology that we can build everything upon. The third um, vertical industry is crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is just another word for cooperative group economics. It's one of the, it's, I believe, Ujama. I'm, I'm probably messing it up. But it's one of the seven um, principles of Kwanzaa, cooperative group economics. Um, this is where we, like every other culture, where we recycle our own black dollar. 
where we're now bringing that $1.5 trillion of purchasing power to bear and doing it in a coordinated effort in order to buy real estate, in order to invest in other black businesses, in order to fund our political system, in order to fund our social system. Okay? And and so um, we are doing this in a very strategic manner. Um, We understand that we have been playing checkers while other cultures have been playing chess. And it's time for us to become chess masters and to think six or seven steps ahead of every move that we make. And 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 so um, our our mission is to support the black community to become self sufficient, self reliant, and self determinant. Um, and um, while we bring our resources to bear. Um, in order to go back to Africa. Now, everybody don't want to go back to Africa, and we understand that, and so we have to build communities here that are self-sufficient, that have the system to support our communities and the ability to protect our community um, for those who don't want to go to Africa, who want to stay here, um, and 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 so we have a plan for doing that, and um, Detroit is going to be our template for rolling out that plan. Um, Detroit is the blackest city in the United States. It's about still ninety percent black. Um, it was one of the hardest hit economically. It had the largest municipal bankruptcy in U.S. history back in twenty thirteen. But it has the greatest opportunity for, so we need to put our money together and strategically go in, start buying up properties, rebuilding properties, putting modular built homes on vacant lots, um, and um, doing this before our neighborhoods get gentrified any further so that we can build black-owned and controlled gated master plan communities. And we have a whole multi-year process for doing that. You know, that sounds good. It sounds good. But I I don't know how long it would take for that to come, you know, because we we don't take care of our stuff. I mean, if we have a, a store and, you know, you're supposed to open at 7 o'clock, will you come, you know, dragging in at 7.30, 8 o'clock? That's not how you're going to keep your business, for one thing. And a lot of times we just don't do And, and yes, you are you are um, you are correct about that, and and so um, part of the process that we have to go through is a 
re-education of the Negro, right? So there's that famous book, The Education of the Negro. We need to re-educate us, right? And, 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 but here is what history, world history has shown us, right? Look at other cultures who have um, been um, um, kept down. Look at the Japanese after World War II. Their um, economy was in shambles. They had been beaten um, militarily. Um, and so we're talking about in the um, mid, mid to late 40s, right? They're a very wounded country. Yet, 40 years later, two generations, they're, they have the second largest GDP in the world. And in the late 80s, they are basically attempting to buy up all the commercial property in the United States. Yeah, I see that. Okay. okay. No, heaven. But they pull together. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we we don't have a together. We don't have the unity in our in our in our community that right. they have. Right. How do we? That's do a big that? deal. Yeah. How, how we don't trust each other. How can you trust each other? You know, when you hear when you hear, um, it seems like everyone is. Uh, they talk about how the black woman. Okay, uh, my son pointed out this to me. He said the most educated group of people in the world are black women. They're getting their education. But then you have someone come and say, mm-hmm. well, you have to uh, work in corporate America, and they're acting like they're men now, you know, and I, we're losing our homes. Everything falls on the black woman, but there is no help for the black woman. The black woman is trying to hold body and soul and children together. Sure, we can say that, uh, and I do agree with you, the premarital sex and all of this, but, hey, they didn't get some babies by themselves. Where is exactly. that help, you know? Right. Where is all that? It, 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 so. it sounds good, and, I, and I, I, we need something. I have been praying for something. I try to, like my, my children now, they'll tell me, well, Mama, uh, uh, we're grown men now, and, and Mama, the way you talk to us, I say I talk to you because I know what I'm doing, what I'm saying. Plus, I've been in a position of leadership where I got to get that job done, or y'all wouldn't have had anything, you know. And uh, so they, they pull against me, so I'm trying to make suggestions now to them. But they, they, they seem like they try to do it as men. They try to, if I say go left, they're going to go right, you know, because they can see my authoritarian way of being, because I had to be. I was in a position of authority, and I had to get the job done. So now they're saying, you know, like uh, Bishop made the remark that uh, black women not being um, uh, uh, treated, uh, with, you know, you know, because of their their femininity, but they're almost like men, you know, um, in these jobs and things. And these jobs require you. you have to, you have to take care, you have to take care of business. It is, you know, you have to take care of business, and so you're faced with that, and you're faced with um, keeping the, the the lights and the gas on, and putting some food in the house. You're faced with with Amen. paying the babysitter and making sure the kids are safe. You know, all of this on the, we have, I think it was 70% of single-parent households now, you know. Not to say that men don't, you know, have to face those things, but this is what you're faced with. And then um, in trying to do and to keep, to keep things together, you're faced with this. Correct. And, and so, then you, you and so this is. This, this, is where, this is where we have to we have to be strategic in how we build up those three pillars: economic, political, social. 
you know what's the oldest and um, largest um, social institution in the black community? What is it? The black church. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. Why? So but if we can get them in there, yourself, <laughs> how do we get our people you know, out you know, in so, there? Well, and, and so this this is where it's it's about a a mobilization. In fact, let me let me let me, let me move, move back a little bit. Um, have you guys heard of the black activist and rapper Killer Mike out of Atlanta? No, I haven't. Say that again. Killer Mike. He's a black activist and a rapper out of Atlanta. Not heard. Killer Mike. Yeah, I yes. haven't heard it. Killer, killer, killer Mike. If, if, you, if you get a chance, look up Killer Mike. But one thing that Killer Mike says is we as black folks, we need to plan, plot, strategize, organize, and mobilize. He said we are great at organizing and mobilizing. We are not good at planning and strategizing. Okay? And so... That's where we must now focus is planning and strategizing so that we can effectively use the resources that we have at hand. Our resources are $1.5 trillion worth of spending power. The resources are the black churches, the black civil organizations, fraternities, sororities, NAACP, Urban League, all these black organizations that don't um, act in a consorted um, way. They, 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 you know, and, and so there's a lack of communication. Even within organizations, there's a lack of communication between chapters. Um, and so um, we are working behind the scenes on how to strategically bring all those resources together in a concerted effort in order to effectuate plans and change. The Black Panther Party was led by a group of college students. Over a three-year period, they went from having one chapter to 50 chapters around the United States. They didn't have no cell phones. They didn't have no social media. They didn't have no texting, right? And, And when they went into a community, you know what the first thing they ask? What is it that you need to survive? Well, um, our, our children aren't doing well in school because they're going to school hungry. Okay, we're going to establish the free breakfast program. That was established by the Black Panther Party. Yes, What's another did, yeah. thing that you need to, to, to survive? Well, um, you know, when we, when, we, when we get sick, we don't have health care, we can't miss work. And so that's the struggle causes a whole bunch of stress. They got, in Oakland, they got with rich white folks over in San Francisco that wanted to support what the black parents were doing, and they helped them open up free health clinics. So you know what happened when the Black Panther Party, and the, the, now here's the last thing. What else, what else do, do you need as the black community to survive? Well, we get harassed by the police all the time. Okay, we're going to form civil civil patrols so that when the police stop you, we're going to show up 
And under the law, we're going to have our long guns out, and we're going to protect you. So when the Black Panther Party showed that they were willing to put resources, time, effort, and even their lives on the line for those in the black community, they earned the black community's trust. And so the black community was now was like, no, what is it that you need us to do? And that was the FBI's number one fear, black unity. So yeah. the Black Panther Party gave us a, a, a basic grassroots strategy for bringing the black community together. You have to provide for what they need in order to survive. Because cause nothing can happen if you're always in survival mode. <laughs> you can't focus on anything else. Right? So we have to show that we as a company and, and part of rebuilding the black community and wanting to buy houses and rehab them and we want to stabilize the the um the community that allow other cultures to come in and, and gentrify you that we are doing this on behalf of those that are there and and we're doing it with those who live in the community so that we can keep housing stable right we got price we got rents going up like crazy we're going to stabilize rent we're going to increase with the standard of living in the community, we're going to provide jobs, we're going to provide training, we're going to do um, re-education, we're going to um, provide money to those social um, organizations that are already operating inside the black community. So there's, there's a whole strategy that goes about this. And the thing is you do it community by community. When you look at the Black Lives Matter organization, they became extremely um, effective because each chapter is run independently of all the other chapters. They, 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 they basically only look to the head organization for its values. But the L.A. chapter of Black Lives Matter might focus on homelessness while the Houston chapter might focus on economics, and the New York chapter might um, focus on employment, right? And and so when you go to attack Black Lives Matter and you go to attack the main organization and it gets taken over by other forces, which is what happened, all of the chapters, though, are still doing the original work. The chapters, the only way that they were affected is they didn't get all the money that the main organization raised, right, those millions of dollars. They didn't trickle down. But as far as the work that was being done at the chapter level, that's still being done. And so Black Lives Matter showed us an, an, an organizational structure that can strategically be used to defend against those that are not going to want us to survive. They don't want us to rise up, right? And, 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 it's, and it's not about being over the white people or being any better. It's just give us our fair due. What's, what's, what, what's, what's due to us, what we earn. Stop being against us. 
That's all. Yeah, but they don't want us to do anything. And a lot of times we don't we don't either. We don't either. And that's because we've been programmed like that. So we have to be reprogrammed. Yes. Yes. And 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 it literally takes one generation, literally. And I was giving the example of what the Japanese did. They they turned around their entire country in two generations. The Chinese, back in the eighties, um, they were an agricultural based economy. One generation later, they are the second greatest power in the entire world because they chose to focus on providing high-quality, low-cost items to the rest of the world. They brought 700 million people out of poverty, a concerted effort to move people out of the farm fields, build cities, and move them into cities, and, 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 to, and to move their economy to a manufacturing economy. They now have a middle class that's more than 300 million people. Their middle class is almost the entire size of the population of the United States. Okay? Now, you know how both Japan and Chinese did that is because they fell back on their culture, on their history, on their belief that even though they may have been conquered, that their history shows that they're great people. When you look at the, at the, at the Chinese history and culture, the yeah. um, Chinese civilization, they are one of the greatest powers that throughout all of history, all of history except for 200 years, the 1800s and the 1900s. So from their perspective, huh, we're, we're going to go back to what we have, have historically been, which is a superpower in the world. And they just made that concerted effort. And from a social perspective, they fell back on their history. We as blacks throughout the entire African diaspora need to do the same thing. There's, okay. a, concerted, okay. there's a concerted effort to keep us from doing that. Okay, like um, um, within our culture, even with among each other, um, how can I say this? When you talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, my understanding is that under, underneath that, it was really not so much as for the black, uh, they were uh, for moving black people, but it was the, the LGB community that was uh, undergirding that whole thing that made it spread like that. That was the whole thing that really, you know, was the basis, the foundation under that movement. And a lot of the money that so, they got, so- you know, because people started to change toward the LGB community. And it, it, it went worldwide, you know. Like, I was, it was interesting it to see that the, uh, in uh, Japan that the, the man who was just shot and killed, his wife supports the LGB community. They are for that, you know. They're, and it's spreading, you know, like, like you know, it, it, it's here. It's been here. So really, uh, and then when you saw in the Ukraine, when, they, when, when the, uh, they, the, uh, the Russians attacked the Ukraine, 
And the black people who were there, who were in Ukraine, they couldn't get out. And then when they tried to go into Poland, Poland wouldn't let them in. So you can see the attitude toward black people all over the world. Mm-hmm. So you would have to uh, um, come to the conclusion that the whole movement was really undergirded, mostly uh, using us again with the LGBT. You know, that's what I what I got from it. If I make myself clear, so it wasn't because they yeah, were for black so, people. So, that black lives matter. No, it was something else as an undergirding it that was pushing it, using the black agenda again, and uh, that's the that's the main thing. And and uh, like uh, they were saying, most of that money that the girl, uh, the girl uh, that they had, it went into the LGBT community. That's my understanding. So it's so, not you know so it's we still there. Go ahead. So I make a clear distinction between between the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Lives Matter yes, organization. The Black Lives Matter movement is much bigger than the Black Lives Matter organization. The Black Lives Matter movement went worldwide, and it, what it did, it brought awareness to the condition that black people around the world have been facing for decades, for hundreds of years. The, the Black Lives yes. Matter organization was co-opted by the by white people, um, and and uh, and so when you talk about that that LBGQ um, um, underpinning, uh, and that um, group of people simply took advantage of the opportunity that presented itself. So you can look at the entire civil rights movement, right? The civil rights movement, which was led by black people, right? The ones who have benefited the most have been white women and the the white women community, right? So we need to understand how they took advantage of things that we did, right? I'm not going to blame somebody else because they took advantage of a situation that um, presented itself. The question is, what can we learn from the strategies and tactics that they use that we can yeah. now implement? Right? I mean, when you look at the, at the, at the civil rights movement, which moved and turned into the um, black power movement, was because at the end of his life, Martin Luther King realized he had been fighting for the wrong thing. Instead of fighting for civil rights, he should have been fighting for economic rights. And as soon as he started to make that switch, he was killed. Malcolm had always talked about the the the, 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 the importance of of uh, of the um, of having our own economy and those type of things. And and so they killed him. The Black Panther Party was built upon that. They either exiled their leaders, put them in jail, or murdered them. Because it all goes back to the United States government recognizing the power of black unity. Let me ask you this. Because if I'm not mistaken, some years ago, the black people wanted to have their own little 
um, you know, like a, a not a village, but you know, everybody else got you know, white folks got a little uh, place and. Chinese got a place, and we wanted to have one, too, but they wouldn't let us do it. Every time they we wanted to put want something to... together, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. they didn't let us right. do it. But uh, what they did do, they, 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 they allowed us. What they did do was to allow us to have, uh, we can now smoke, and it's okay. Yeah, and and so it goes it goes back to well one you you you, you can lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you can't make them drink, especially if they don't know that they're thirsty. Okay, so that becomes a huge challenge, right? How do you motiv- how do you right. motivate black people right. to act in a uh, in a way? that is to their benefit when they don't even understand that it's to their benefit. And so you have to meet people where they are and you have to understand what motivates the different, different segments of the black community, right? And so we break the black community into, into three segments. We have those that are um, what we call uh, cotests, right? They are awake they uh, are uh, black nationalists, pan-Africanists, um, and so there's not much convincing that you need to do to them because they get it. They understand it. The next what was the name of that what one? We call what was the name Hotep's. of it? Hoteps. Okay. Hoteps. H-O-T-E-P-S. Hoteps. That's like okay. an African. The one are, that, the, <laughs> Egyptian name right. for uh, it's a, it's a, the dead man that it was a mummy. That's what I was thinking, you know. Yeah. That's where I heard it's, it's, it from. But, 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 I'm but it's, sorry. It's, it's, uh, it's I, a I, reference. Hey. <laughs> Boris Karloff. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reference to those who are awake of their African heritage and the, and the power of, um, of being part of the African diaspora and the history that's associated with that. So we estimate there's maybe 5% of the black community that's in that category. The next category we call um, black nationalist soldiers. These are, these are people who um, agree with the mission, but um, they want to help, but they don't know what to do, right? We don't have a national leader. We, the last national leader that we had that had a lot of power and a lot of followers was Louis Farrakhan in the mid-90s when he led the Million Man March. After yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You, ain't, right? you haven't heard much from, from, uh, from Minister Farrakhan. There is no, no other national haven't. black leader. Okay. We don't, so what happened to we, him? We, 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 there's all types of speculation, um, and uh, I'm not a part of the Nation of Islam. I've interacted with them in the early 90s. I interacted with them back in 2016. Um, I can't tell you the reason why, um, but I can just tell you that the Nation of Islam is one of the um, single largest um, black organizations. Uh, It's nationwide. It's very disciplined. Um, 
but for some reason that I do not know, they are not as active as they were in the early 90s. You're right. Um, so we don't, have a, we don't have a national leader. We don't have a national plan. We don't have a national agenda. And so after the public execution of George Floyd in May of 2020, there was a call to action. Black folks wanted to do something, but there was no plan. There was no leader, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got about 10% of the black population that's like, look, I want to do something. Just tell me what to do. Right. Tell me, what, tell me how, I, how I get involved. Tell me if I, if I need to spend some time volunteering, if I need to spend some money, if I need to invest in something, just tell me. We call those black national soldiers. They just need direction. That's about 10%. So now, what, now what's left is the other 85%, right? And, and so when you look at what motivates the other 85%, we call them the double-ups. If you can show me a way to double up my money, I'm with it, right? I, I, I tend to be selfish. I, I tend to um, look out for myself. But part of that is because I've been in survival mode. So if you can show me a way where I can double my money in one to two years, where I can um, um, get on my get on my feet, I'll follow you there. Right. So you have to meet people where they are at. You have to understand sure. that all the black community, all the black community ain't the same, and you got to <laughs> look at what motivates people in order to get them to behave in a way that supports the entire community. Yeah, I, I go along with that. I really like that. I mean, Mr. Evans, you, I mean, you need to be leading us. <laughs> I am a strategist. I, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on the front lines, in the field, um, you know, and, and so I've, 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 I've done that. Um, that is a younger person's job. <laughs> and, okay. And, uh, yeah. And so I am, I, right? Uh, I am, I, this is the thing. We all. God called Moses when he was 80. Are you 80? Right, right, right. <laughs> now what you got to say. <laughs> <laughs> he's been for 40 years Right, right You got to They gave him the blues for 40 years <laughs> That's a good one I That's mean, one. somebody You know Other than that I mean, what? we so just have Smoke and drink what I, what I can tell you Is right now there are a, a good number of people that are working behind the scenes planning and strategizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? There are different movements, different organizations. Some of them are a little more vocal than others. Um, and um, that is really because of what happens. Um, well, two things happened. COVID happened, which put us all That's online. It. Right? We had to stay in the house, and we, and we got on social media. Okay, social media is the best tool right now for the black community when it comes to communication. Okay, 
the, the regular media doesn't benefit us. They, they work against us. Social media allows us a voice. The only problem is we don't own a major social media platform. That is so I, I therefore, right? So, so therefore, they can cut off, cut us off at any time that they want. Right? You saw how 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 um, with Elon Musk buying black buying buying Twitter, there's that concern of okay, what happens to black Twitter? Right? Um now 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 that you've got this man who's in control of a major social media platform. Well, the obvious answer to that is we need to have our own social media platform. But we need to own the entire supply chain. We need to have our own social media platform. We need to have our own data warehouses. We need to have our own distribution system, right? And so there are people in the background working on those type of things. And and so um, uh, we it, it, things will become more evident, especially this year, you know, 2023, um, and uh, I, I can tell you that with, with blockchain and with AI technology, there's going to be an explosion, an explosion of um, of how those technologies are used. And you have a lot of black people that are deeply involved in that. Right. Deeply involved okay. in that. Okay. Uh, Mr. Evans, um I, and uh, while we were uh, the 2020 election, um, when uh, uh, Reverend Al he kept saying that uh, he was trying to say that because we voted for Biden, you know, he got some major votes and stuff like that. He was saying this that, and, I, and it was my ignorance too. He kept saying that we should be in some of the major positions, not just the outside, you know, positions, but like defense and things like that in his organization where they really made the decisions. And so me, you know, because I have been, um, uh, you know, you, I've always seen white people in those positions, like defense or something. So I called in to him, and I said, um, I let him know, I said, listen, do you think we have black people who are capable of, like, handling the entire defense system of the United States, being over the armed forces, besides, you know, I know Colin Powell was there, but, but do we really have that? And he said, yes, we do have. And and, then, and so it, it started a lot of conversation because a lot of black people, we don't see ourselves as that. You keep seeing white as the leadership, you know, being in the lead, being in the lead. Whatever the white man do, the white man say, that's right. White is right. Black get back. Now, we still have that in our minds, okay? And, um, he explained that we have a lot of, and I understand they, they finally they picked someone who's been out there in the field, you know. Um, and um, well, anyway, do we have people like that who are sound, you know? Like uh, one thing you keep talking about, Malcolm X. One thing he said, he said, um, what was that statement he made? He said uh, he was talking about running a nation. Then so some of the men in the audience uh, made a comment. And he said, you know what, these brothers don't want to run a nation. They want to crawl back on the plantation. I know, you know you've heard that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I know you've heard that and make that st- uh, kind of statement that way. But um, do we have people who, are, because to run something, 
And to be over something uh, as a leader, you know, um, it, it's going to take you coming outside yourself and the selfishness and the concern, you know, and, uh, and dealing with people. You're going to have to deal with that. Do we have people like that? Yes. We have them. I mean, genuine leaders. Yes. Genuine black so, leaders so the, and healthy-minded uh, leaders, so, too. So, so here, here is the thing, and we have seen this play out um, since George Floyd's public execution. We have seen some of the uh, successful black people come out of the shadows into the spotlight, um, and I give the example of Robert Smith. Robert Smith Robert. is the richest black man in the United States. He's worth um, What's his address? Probably, uh, <laughs> he's, he's probably worth, worth about six, six, was, six, was six he or the seven one that billion did, dollars. Did he give the the one that gave the kids uh, yes. that graduated pay for their money or yep. their college? Yeah. Was that him? That, that was that was him. That was when he okay, came out of the I shadows. Thought. That's when yeah. people, because up until that time, nobody knew who Robert Smith was. You're right. And he came out of the shadows. He came out of the shadows because of George Floyd's public execution. He came out of the shadows, and and not only did he um, help the, um, the the students, um, the you know, pay yeah. off their um, yeah. college their college tuitions. He because he's he's in the financial world of Wall Street. He then said, you major corporations, you need to set aside 2% of your profits to give back to the black community. Okay? All he started, right. he started talking right. about that. You know, let, let me tell you what happened. Robert, within, within, within one year, Robert Smith was under indictment on um, being investigated by the IRS. Oh, please. Of course. Of course. To make it look bad. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Man, so I tell this you. is something I that, tell you. that they, right? So, so we, when we understand the tactics that they will use, they will attack and they, they'll, they'll, they'll either attack you um, with your reputation, they'll attack you legally, They'll attack you with your money, and if they can't do all that, they'll just kill you. Yeah, that's true. Right? So that's we true. must move strategically. Um, I yeah. was in Las Vegas this weekend for the Consumer Electronics Show, and I had the opportunity to meet um, a black billionaire who I had never heard of. Wow. And when, I, when, I, when I talked to him, he, he owns four or five um, manufacturing um, factories in China um, where he's in what's called an OEM um, manufacturer. Um, so these are the people who build, for in his instance, he builds phones and electronics and TVs and stuff for the likes of Sony, Panasonic, um, all of the big names, right? So he's got factories in China where he's, well, he's the one responsible for building these electronics, and he's a billionaire. He's black. Nobody knows his name. Nobody knows who he is. He's just not. Like, 
and he and he's been doing this for many years. He's just now coming out, and he's pro black. His name is um, Doctor. Um, um, oh, let me. I don't want to mess with his name. Let me just double check. Hold on a minute, because I was um, astonished because I had never met him. I didn't even know that he existed, um, and I was just um, really amazed. Um, his name is Dr. Lau Alexander, Leo Alexander. Oh, okay. Um, and, 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 he, and, and, and when, when I finished my conversation with him, this is what he told me, and these words had such an impact on me. I will, I will remember them forever, and I, I say them over and over. He said, Mike. I'm not into making a profit. I'm into making an impact. Okay. That means yeah. a lot. And, 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 this, and this is the black nationalist mindset, and this is what I tell everybody, right? So I've, I've got a, a um, degree in economics, a focus in um, econometrics, building forecast systems. So when, it, when it, so when it comes to economics and the economic systems and capitalism and all that stuff, I know that stuff like the back of my hand. This is what I tell people. As a black nationalist, when I operate within my community, I practice cooperative group economics. There's enough meat on the bone for everyone to eat. When I am acting with people outside of my community and I'm facing outward, I act as a capitalist. That's what other cultures do. When, when, when dealing with us, they are straight capitalists. But when they, and they take the money away from us, but when they go back to their community, they share it. It's all That's about true. cooperative group economics. We as, we as black folks, we, we need to, to, to start behaving that way. Within the community, Cooperative group economics outside of the community, pure capitalists. That's what you the know, Bible told to do in the Bible. Mr. Evans, I appreciate you tonight because I have learned a whole lot just listening to you. I really have. Well, and I, I really, yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, it starts I, me to thinking. It really does. It starts me to thinking. So, you know, uh, I'm happy that you made it. And I have enjoyed you. I really have. We have. At yeah. any time, talk again. Talk. You are more than welcome. <laughs> Well, so you wanna? Well, I have mine. your number, but you would Does you have be an email? okay if someone wanted your number? Sure. So uh, the best way to get information about my company and, and what we are what we are doing and our plan for Detroit is to go to our marketing website, which is okay. Surviving America. Wild black surviving. surviving America wildblack.com
They can also go to my um, consulting website, um, which is helpkeepmymoney.com. Again, that's helpkeepmymoney.com. If anyone gets in, wants to get in contact with me, um, they can send me an email at helpkeepmymoney at gmail.com. Those are the easiest ways to contact me. Okay. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate you coming. Well, and as I said, the pleasure is mine. I want to thank you. Um, it's been a, a great conversation. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that I've been able to, to, to give out some, some information and more than anything to, to let you guys know that there are a group of black people who are working behind the scenes that are planning and strategizing. And I think that we're going to see great things come out this year. All right. All right. Well, I thank you. I hope they do. Well, we're welcome to keep us updated, yeah, and how we can participate also. Right, right. And before we go, I'd like to – you have something to say? Oh, no, I was going to say, so if you you want to stay up to date with what we're doing, um, go to Surviving America – wildblack.com, and um, you click on the link, request information. Um, that will get you on our, uh, on our, on our email list. Um, and then you can also uh, look us up on Facebook under the BNIC Network. Again, on Facebook, you can just search the BNIC Network, um, and we've got a Facebook group on there that you can join also. Oh, okay. All righty. Okay, well, since we're leaving, I just have to say this before we go, is that sometimes we must be hurt in order to grow. Sometimes we must fail in order to know. Sometimes we must lose in order to gain. Because some lessons in life are best learned through pain. And having been said that, I would say good night to everyone. I thank you, Mr. Evans. And I just have to say happy 2023. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, you guys. Stay blessed and stay safe. You too. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye.